0: When I went there, I realized that you know I'm surrounded by entrepreneurs and everyone seems to be pretty relaxed about money. Um, you know, Back then, every time someone asked me out if I want to go out for dinner, I would have to do math in my head to see if I could afford it. And I'm like, huh, this kind of sucks. <laughs> I guess I, I'm not going out tonight because I literally can't afford it. And I'm like, all these people seem pretty relaxed about you know what they do. I'm, I'm working pretty hard over here. And so I, I'm like, all right, maybe I want to start a business.
1: Hey, what's up you guys? My name is Miko Krachowski and welcome to episode 52 of that remote show where we hear from location independent entrepreneurs and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Vincent Nguyen, the founder and CEO of Growth Ninja, an agency focused on helping B2C companies with their Facebook campaigns. And as you may have noticed from the title of this episode, this interview is not like most of the other ones we've had on the show. And the reason for that is that after building up Growth Ninja into a multi-six-figure business, Vince realized that he was not happy with what he was doing and decided to quit the location-independent entrepreneur life and instead move back home and pursue his dream of becoming a bartender. And during this interview, we talked about how Vince discovered the online business world and how he landed his first remote job with Empire Flippers, how he built up his online business in just a few short years, and why after doing all of that and finding the success that many dream of, he decided that a life as a bartender was what he really wanted to pursue. I'm super, super happy uh, and thankful to have had Vince on the show because I think a lot of the content online about the location independent scene and even a lot of the content that I make uh, about that scene makes it seem like This path, this lifestyle is what everyone's dream should be, and that's simply not true, and I think that's something that we need to talk about more and cover the entire gamut of possibilities. Uh, So like I said, I'm super happy to have had Vince on here to talk about his thoughts and his feelings as he was able to succeed in creating the lifestyle that many of us dream of. And then his thoughts about it afterwards and why he eventually decided to go back home and become a bartender, which is super awesome uh, in its own right. Bartending, I think, is so cool. Uh, So you guys, you can find the full show notes and resources mentioned during the interview over at thatremotelife.com forward slash episode 52. That's episode all spelled out followed by the number 52. All right, you guys, without further ado, let's jump into this awesome conversation with Vince Nguyen. All right, well, Vince, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? Thank you for uh, taking the time to be here.
0: I'm doing good, man. How are you?
1: I'm good, just trying to, you know, stay sane during all this uh, COVID <laughs> stuff going on. Um, I was going to bring
0: it up, man. I was going to say the exact same thing, but I'm not sure you wanted to take it there.
1: Yeah, you know, it is – I think. I think it's just going to be what it is for – a couple of months and we're going to have to figure out how to deal with it. But uh, that's not why I wanted to have you on. Um, The reason why I wanted to have you on was because you and I are both uh, a part of an online forum for location dependent entrepreneurs called the Dynamite Circle. And you made a post in that forum talking about how you grew your business, your agency to six figures uh, annually, and then decided to kind of step away from that and kind of put it, all on the back burner and instead go on to a you know minimum wage job as a bartender because it's something that you've always wanted to do. And so as listeners of the show are going to know, I am the biggest proponent of remote work and having an online business, but I'm so excited to have you on to kind of talk about the other side of that because I want people to choose to do whatever is best for them. So thank you for coming on and again, you know, just chatting about it. Um, so yeah, thanks so much for being here and, and, and talking about that.
0: No worries, man. I'm always happy to talk about you know that decision. It's people think I'm crazy usually when I bring it up, so I'm happy to hear that I finally <laughs> get someone to, that says, "Hey, tell me more about it." And why? Yeah, I it? read that and I was like, "Oh, that's so cool!" Because like
1: I think that I've always wanted to at some point be a bartender. Like I love making cocktails at home, and I saw you read, that, I uh-huh. saw you wrote that, and I was like, "Oh fuck, I need to talk to Vince. That's so cool." Um, <laughs> so you know, in order to before we get to that part of the story. Uh, I really want to learn how you actually got into the remote world in the first place because um, I heard that you used to work for Empire Flippers, which is one of my favorite companies. Um, I've had Justin on the show from Empire Flippers uh, before. So tell me, how did you get involved in this whole world and how did you end up working for Empire Flippers and what were you doing for them?
0: So when I was still in high school, I was a very terrible student. I was literally afraid that I'm going to be homeless when I'm an adult. Like, I'm not even joking. I was so far behind on a lot of subjects like math and stuff. I really only got by thanks to cheating. (laughs) Um, Most of my friends cheated in high school. I think we would have friends as TAs and stuff. And yeah, it was whole, it was a whole thing. And so I was like, Oh my God, I'm not going to be able to retain anything throughout high school. I'm definitely not going to finish college. Um, I kind of resigned myself to like, all right, I'm just a crap student and I'm not going to have a good future. But I, I, that fear, I think, made me a little anti-college for myself, because I'm like, oh, well, if I'm not going to be a good student, then like, why even go to college? And so I did community college instead, because I didn't want to spend a ton of money going to university, especially out of state, because I had just moved from California to Arizona after I graduated high school. And if I wasn't sure I was going to get a degree and pass, why spend all that money? So I did community college. I did it for three semesters before I dropped out, and I dropped out because... During my time in college, I would work on side projects. I would take internships, trying to soul search a little bit, figure out what I wanted to do because I didn't even know what I wanted to do. I had no direction. I had no idea, not even the most vague idea of like where I wanted to be. And so I would do all these things and nothing really clicked. But I did have this blog called Self Stereo, which is a personal development website. I started in 2013. Um... And that got a bit of traction. I met a lot of cool people, influencers and stuff like that. And then one day I was just on Twitter, oddly enough, because I'm never on Twitter. But for one day I just was. And I saw a tweet by a guy named Sean Ogle, And it said, best opportunity I've seen in a while. I think verbatim. And it linked to a job posting by Empire Flippers. They were looking for a marketing apprentice. And I was like, okay, that sounds interesting. So I take a look. The website looked sketchy at the time, which (laughs) they'll... Justin and Joe will agree with you know, they had this big redesign shortly after I came on board. But as sketchy as the website looked and as too good as it seemed, I was really intrigued, and so I did a lot of research on Empire Flippers on Justin and Joe. I listened to other podcasts, I made sure they were legit and not organ stealers, <laughs> and I basically worked to, to get it. I, um, my angle was okay, I at the time I was 19. I'm like, I'm just this kid with no work experience, no direction, and I'm a terrible learner, but I'm gonna really try my best to stand out from all the other applicants. And so what I did was I I reached out to a bunch of influencers, like dozens of them, asking if they could record a video for me, saying I reached out and connected because part of the job requirement was you need to be a good connector, you need to be good at code outreach. And in other words, I had to Google to figure out what it meant. And so I got a bunch of them to agree. People who didn't even know me to just record a short video. I put it all together, and then I talked a little bit in there about myself and sent it into them. And that caught their attention. And then I just interviewed and and I would literally like interview around my class schedules. So I'm like, okay, I have a gap between like philosophy 101 and like biology. So I'm gonna try to rent like a well not rent, but like take an hour out of the conference room. On campus and take the calls. So I'd literally run from classes straight to the conference room, take the interviews, be like, okay, once the next interview is sweet, let's see, I have classes. All right, cool. Yeah, how about this time? And I think I even took a call outdoors in like the common areas because there were no conference rooms. And so I got the I got the job. I told my family, my dad's side of the family that I was dropping out of college for a little bit. I told my mom's side of the family that I was going to take online classes. I drop out of college I moved to the Philippines. I lived with Justin for like half a year. And uh, eventually I become the marketing director. And I uh, I spent a year at Empire Flippers before I finally leave in uh, January or December 2014. And then I start my own business in January 2015. So a little bit over five years it's, ago. It's
1: really crazy listening to your story because we have like almost identical stories. I went to college, dropped out after two years because I was like, this isn't going to work. The only difference is that it seems like you kind of had your shit together way better than I did. Um, And so with that, like, because when I dropped out, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just kind of going to have to figure it out. But I'm curious because I went through the same process. um, What did your parents and your family think about the fact that you were, you know, you kind of told them two different things, it sounds like. um, But what, you know, what do they think about this whole thing? You know, like. I mean, you did a ton of research on Empire Flippers, but your family didn't. So when you told them, I'm going to drop out and move to the (laughs) Philippines to live with this dude who has an online business, what do they say?
0: (laughs) Oh, back then. Um, You know, it's funny because my family, if you ask them now, they're very revisionist. My dad will say, oh, yeah, (laughs) I knew you were crushing it and that you knew what you were doing. No, that's not true. Back then, he was very much like, what are you talking about? You're going to go to college and this and that. I remember we had an argument a while back in 2012-13 because I saw I learned about the Disney college program and for people who don't know what that is uh, from what I remember at least you work at Disney and you also take classes I guess there and you take you get college credit for it and whatever so you're living in Disneyland essentially while working and studying and realistically it's more like a uh, giant frat party, sorority party, you know, that's kind of the whole reality of why most people want to go. But my family didn't know that. But I told my dad, Hey, I, I just applied for this thing. Um, uh, just letting you know, blah, blah, blah. He's like, what do you mean? What about school? I'm like, well, you know, I'll, maybe I'll pause that or pick it up later. He's like, Oh, so you're not asking me. You're telling me. I'm like, well, if put it that way, yeah, I guess I am kind of telling you, like, I'm telling you if I get this, I'm going to go. <laughs> Like, I'm not asking for for permission. So it, it was always like I wanted to do something, but my family wanted other things for me. It was always finish college. And so I think when I got the Empire Flippers thing, my dad was more on board this time around because luckily when I got it, two of my uncles, who are only four or five years older than me, basically my brothers essentially, and my aunt was there. So my dad was still sleeping. We we're all at his house for whatever reason, hanging out. And I told them, hey, guys, here's the deal. I just got this job. It's going to be in the Philippines. Um, Super great opportunity. I listened to a ton of their podcasts, did research. These guys are legit. Here's where I think this could lead me eventually. Like, do you guys have my back? When I tell my dad, I think if it was just me and my dad, he'd probably be more upset. But my dad woke up, I I give him the same spiel. And my uncle and aunt, my uncles and aunt were like, yeah, this sounds great. Um, I think it's going to be good. So my dad's like, all right, cool. What are you going to tell your mom? I'm like well i'm gonna tell him that i'm
1: taking online <laughs> classes
0: <laughs> he's like are you taking online classes no nope. of course not dad what the heck well i take online classes he's like all right whatever so my dad wasn't super on board but a couple years ago when i bought him um i forgot what i got him for christmas but his friend was over there and he was he and i were just chatting he's like yeah man this reminds me of when you first got that job in the philippines bro like You sent your dad that nice bottle of whiskey. And I remember telling your dad, wow, man, Vince is killing it. And uh, he was proud of you, man. I'm like, you sure? Because from what I remember, he was pretty antsy back then. I I had a lie to family a lot. But my dad was definitely more on board than my mom's side was. And my mom's side didn't even learn that I dropped out of college until like, I don't know, three, two, three years later at the very least. Mm -hmm. And that was only after I showed my grandma my bank account because she kept bugging me about college and like stuff like that so now they don't bother yeah i think
1: um you know with kind of taking the 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 path that you did parents and family are only afraid because they think that you're like throwing your life or like your um you know like your your future (laughs) away but in in the moment that you have some money or even like you know like stability and you show that what you're doing is like Mm -hmm. legit and that you can pay your you know your bills and stuff like that like they kind of like relax so just they just need a little bit of time to see yeah. that you know you're not batshit crazy and the decision that you've made has been <laughs> you know vetted and, and that it makes sense right um one thing I'm, I'm curious about is when you were in college and you know even when you did move on to work at empire flippers were you already thinking about having your own business or was entrepreneurship something that was ever in your mind or did that happen only after your work with Empire Flippers?
0: Only after, man. I never thought that I'd run a business of my own. That was never even like a thought process. Like when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do slash be, it was never, oh, what could I create or what kind of business could I be a founder of? It was always like, oh, am I going to be a public relations specialist? I actually did internships for that I also shadowed someone who did it at my school for a while um, could I be a mark marketer for you know whatever so it was never like something that I've always secretly wanted to do and one day become but it only happened after I went to uh, one of Dynamite circles annual conference DCbKK in Bangkok um, when I went there I realized that you know I'm surrounded by entrepreneurs and everyone seems to be pretty relaxed about money Um, you know, back then I wasn't making very much. Every time someone asked me out, if I want to go out for dinner, I would have to do math in my head to see if I could (laughs) afford it. And I'm like, huh. This kind of sucks. <laughs> I guess I, I'm not going out tonight because I literally can't afford it. And I'm like, all these people seem pretty relaxed about, you know, what they do. I'm, I'm working pretty hard over here. And so I, I'm i like, all right, maybe I want to start a business. And so I sat down with Justin, I think right before I flew out of Thailand and back to the States um, for the first time since leaving the States. And I'm like, hey, man, here's where my head's at and uh, he gave me some great advice he said you know as a friend i suggest you know you do the business on the side and you continue to work with us that way you have a paycheck coming in you don't have to worry about finances and, but i knew myself i'm like well that makes perfect sense on paper for like most people out there but for me i'm either all in or all out and so it's either i'm all in on the business or else i won't be able to focus on doing the business and i'm or i or i'm like a half ass and i'm not doing it ever And also the other part of that is if I'm not all into Empire Flippers, I'm not going to be able to give them my best work anyway because I'm thinking about the side project. Like I can't – I could probably multitask it, but it won't really be the same. So I just had to think about it for a little bit, and um, I figured, well, I don't really have that many expenses anyway because I could just live with my dad. And so I decided, you know what, yeah, I think I'm going to go ahead and call it and, um, and try to do this thing on my own. So I, I spend the first month or so living at my dad's and trying to build up the thing. And then my stepmom's moms um, parents move into my dad's, and they're a little weird. <laughs> so I actually move out. Fortunately, my aunt just got engaged at the time. And so she had a house right next to my grandparents on my dad's side of the family. And so I moved into there. I got the whole house to myself because she's been living with her fiance essentially. And all I had to do was pay the utilities, which came out to like 100, 200 bucks a month. And um, I had about maybe 1,000 bucks in my bank account. So I'm like, okay, I got five months runway, assuming I don't go out every night with my friends. Um, so luckily, a few months into it, I sent out my first invoice. And I'm like, oh, shoot, there's potential here. So it worked out. But the first few months, I was a little worried, but it ended up working out okay. The interesting
1: thing about this is that. Like I said, you and I have very similar journeys. Uh, We both dropped out of college. You know, we both kind of like moved into this world, but we did it in different ways. And this is something that if anybody's listening who is kind of just getting started, I think this is actually a really good thing for them to consider because... While I dropped out of college and immediately was like, "I'm gonna be an entrepreneur because it's what I've always wanted to do and like like dove into testing different startups, what you did was you went out and worked with somebody and almost got some mentorship. And currently, you know, we're kind of the same age, and your business is much more, you know, financially successful than mine is at the moment. And so this is something that's really interesting. And if anybody's listening who's just getting started and is kind of, trying to make that decision of like, hey, should I just go out and start testing a whole bunch of uh, startups or should I go work with somebody and almost like get a mentor? Uh, This is an interesting thing to consider, I think. Um, What would you say that you learned working with Empire Flippers that helped you then go on and start your own business afterwards? Like what were those like key things that you were like after a year of working with Empire Flippers, you were like, you know what? I have the confidence now to go out and, and do this on my own.
0: Yeah, obviously, I learned Facebook ads f- through that because um, that's
1: what your business does at the moment, right? Right,
0: that's what Growth Ninja does. We do Facebook ads, and so that was part of my skill set. There was trying to figure out how Facebook ads and get it to work for Empire Flippers, and so it, obviously, without Empire Flippers, there'd be no Growth Ninja, and there would be no Facebook ads for me. Um, but one of the more business mindset things I've always kept with me to this day. Is being really picky with who you work with, being very, you know, willing to walk away from money that's on the table if someone's a troubled customer, demands too much, you know, causes a lot of headaches. I remember one of my first clients, I wasn't able to deliver what I wanted in terms of results. But the invoice that I was going to send him was like $3,500 or whatever. And I remember thinking like, man, I just got him all these leads that aren't doing anything for him. Like I need the money, but I also don't want to take it if I don't feel like I did a good job. So I remember calling up Joe and I'm like, you know, here's the situation, man. What would you do? He's like, dude, if I were you, just don't take the money. Like I know right now it sounds like a lot of money, but in the long run, you're going to sleep a lot better. You're going to, build better relationships with your, your clients and pros, and prospective clients. And, you know, people are going to hear about it. And at the time I'm like, man, screw this guy. What do you mean? It's not a lot of money to, that's more than I have my bank account, but it's so funny in hindsight now, I'm like, he's right. It's not a lot of money. It's, uh, it was worth giving that or not giving that money back, but like not taking that money. Cause I went to bed that night, sleeping pretty well, even though I was like, Oh man, that's $3,000 I'm not getting. But, I felt no guilt. We continued to work together, that client and myself, for several months. And that person, I'm pretty sure, sent me some referrals too. So it ended up working out very well. And to this day, I'm still like, you know, I'm very good at disqualifying clients that I don't think are a good fit. Like people who demand way too much and micromanage, those people aren't for me. I want someone who trusts in my skill set and understands that I'm good at what I do and that I should be left to my own devices and let me make my own decisions. And so I think if I didn't have that guidance from Justin and Joe, I would just be taking on anybody who emailed me and then I would have no bandwidth. I wouldn't sleep very well. I'd be stressed. I'd be working all the time as opposed to the way it is set up where I'm only taking people who I know I can do very well for and let me do my own thing. So I don't have to get on calls with them every single day, trying to calm them down about why, you know, the ROAS is return on ad spend is a little bit lower than yesterday. You know what I mean? I want people to understand the utility of what I do and the long, long long-term picture of everything I'm doing as opposed to people who are worried about every single dollar being spent.
1: Yeah. I think something that you kind of like mentioned that's really important is like when you're getting started and you have low overhead, like you were saying, you know, you just needed 200 bucks a month to pay the utilities for that house that puts you in that position to be able to then say like, Hey, I know that you're going to pay me money, but I want to make sure that like I deliver upon like what I've said first And that goes a long way Mm -hmm. to build a lot of trust. And I was going to ask you if, you know, that ended up paying off. And like you said, like, you know, they referred people to you afterwards because you said, Hey, like you almost proved that you were trustworthy and that, you know, you weren't willing Mm -hmm. to just, there's so many agencies out there and so many people who are just looking to like take your money. And they know that in like three months, they're not going to be happy with your work and they're going to like walk away. Right. So I think that goes a long way to kind of like, like proving your trust, um, one of the like last things that I want to talk about, you know, in terms of like your, you know, your business and kind of like your journey was um, after working with Empire Flippers, were you able to kind of almost like, were, did you have a network from working with that that you were, that then almost like, like helped you launch your business afterwards? Or were you, or did you kind of like still start from ground zero um, in terms of like uh, network and finding clients?
0: So I was very fortunate that my job, there was somewhat highly publicized. Um, this was the beginning of the Empire Flippers apprenticeship program. I think I was apprentice number two, and everyone kind of knew me as, "Oh, you're Justin and Joe's apprentice." Mm-hmm. Um, their network was very well aware of who I was, and the job itself. Even if they didn't know me personally, they knew that, "Oh, okay, you're you're the guy that Justin and Joe hired recently." And so, after a year of kind of meeting the friends and stuff, especially after the conference, um, I was able to just you know email people. I get clients nearly off the bat, and then from there, you know, I was I advertised my referral program where I pay out twenty percent of my monthly earnings to the refer in perpetuity, and um, and that just kind of grew from there. Most of my clients come from referrals. Uh, in fact, I just brought on a client I think two days ago, and that person came as a referral from someone who's been sending me people for years now. And then that client, new client, just got on the call with me today saying, "Hey, I've got someone for you too." So, like it just kind of grew from there, but the early days, I was very fortunate to have that network in place and be able to to take it from there.
1: i I think it's so funny that you know, even though you run a Facebook you know agency, you would think that for your own business, you'd be doing Facebook ads, but i I work for an agency as well that we do marketing, and I know that like everyone that you talk to behind closed doors, you know, it's almost everybody's business's referrals, you know, even if what they mm-hmm. do for a living is build you know, leads for their, for like other businesses behind closed doors. I think a lot of times it's like referrals, man. Like that's what it is.
0: Yeah. I think that's because, um, advertising for B2B services, business to business is pretty tough. Like I personally don't do any B2B clients. It's just a tough nut to crack. Um, I'm sure there are agencies out there crushing it for the B2B side, but Hey, that's not my specialty. I'm all about the business to consumer. I'm selling products, digital products, physical products, and that's where my specialty is. So
1: Gotcha. So you start this agency, it starts, you know, working for you, you're living that entrepreneur dream, you're able to like, you know, travel all over the world, you're remote. At what point did you start feeling like that wasn't the life that you wanted? And like, how did that transition then into you deciding to almost like walk away from that to pursue your dream of becoming a bartender?
0: Uh, Almost immediately, dude. Like, I remember let's see, mid slash late 2015, I was having thoughts about writing some book and like stopping Facebook ads because it's it was boring. Um, and like, I also kept getting homesick every time I left Arizona, but mm-hmm. I would leave anyway and do this traveling stuff because it was almost an obligation where I'm like, well, I'm young, I'm in my 20s. Um, I should be traveling, so I will. And then I would go travel, and then I'd be all around the world with these other entrepreneurs, talking about how much I miss home and how much travel sucks. And I almost felt like I was near almost an outsider in a sense because like no one was able to relate to like why I loved home so much and why I didn't like travel. I was like, "What? What are you talking about? Travel's awesome!" Like, "Oh no, you're." you know, you'll, you'll, you'll get it. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. So then I would go back home and I'm like, Oh, I'm so happy again. And then I'm like, all right, maybe I should travel again. And then I travel. And then again, just repeat the same cycle me complaining about missing home (laughs) to everybody who would listen. And I'm like, God, maybe I'm just not a traveler. So like it finally took until this year or well, I guess late last year to be like, all right, maybe I'm just done with traveling and just I'll travel in very small doses. um, If that even but Arizona is where I want to be because, dude, here's what here's what ends up happening is I miss all of the big moments while I'm gone with my friends, right? Because, like, I have a lot of friends in Arizona. And for most of my – actually, yeah, pretty much all of my best friends, I've missed all of their birthdays with the exception of a few. Like, I have friends who have, I've considered some of my closest friends for the last four years. I've missed all four birthdays, every single one because I was out of town somewhere. And I'm like, well, I'm in my mid twenties now. Some of my friends are late twenties getting married or at least thinking about getting married, some of them. And I'm like, I don't want to miss all that. Like I left two days after two of my great friends, who I now live with also, uh, got married last year. I went I was fortunate to be able to be part of their wedding as a groomsman. And then I didn't get to celebrate their new marriage because I was literally gone two days later. And I'm like, I don't want to keep being that guy who just pops in and out at his own convenience and like screw everybody else. It's like, no, I want to be a part of this. I want my life to be here and not put it on pause every time I leave out of obligation that I should be traveling. And I, you know, I don't want to throw shade at anybody, but I feel like a big part of why a lot of people don't relate to that aspect of my life is because a lot of people don't have friends where they came from. They, they find their bonds and their friendships elsewhere in travel. And that's totally fine. But I crave a deeper connection outside of just business because I personally don't like talking about Facebook ads that much. Ask anybody in the D.C. who who has talked to me for more than 10 minutes. They'll see my eyes glaze over if they talk about Facebook ads for more than a couple of minutes. Um, I'd rather talk about literally anything else most of the time, which is why bartending has always been sort of in the back of my head, because I'm like, well, that's a great escape from Facebook ads. It's totally the opposite of Facebook ads. Facebook ads are sitting on a laptop just making other people more money. While with bartending, you're kind of making a connection with whoever's on the other side of the bar. And also, you're making a great drink. That's kind of a fun process in itself. But you're also out there in the real world, which is something that I like being, or at the very least, the idea of it. Um, sitting in front of a laptop all day, it's just not for me. Like right now, all these people are going crazy because of quarantine, uh, The even people who get to work from home, well, that's kind of how crazy I've been going for the last four or five years because of you know, work in front of a laptop during the day, waiting for the evenings when people got off from work so I could actually hang out with them and get out of the house. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I understand that, man. I mean, like, you know, my fiance and I, we have a lot of conversations about, like, how do we make sure that we keep our relationships here where we're from in Cincinnati alive and well, but then at the same time still scratch that itch that we have to, to travel and to like see these new places. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things that like, you know, you even mentioned is like, you know, people start building up those relationships while they're abroad. Uh, And it's something that's really difficult, but that like you kind of need to work at. And now we have built up like a group of friends who do what we do and that has made it easier to travel and to still have, have those deep connections, but it's tough, man. You know, it's tough when like, oh, we're overlapping for two weeks in this country and then you're leaving, you know, uh, this Saturday and I'm leaving next Saturday. and right. like, When do we meet up? So I, I definitely understand that and, and it's very hard. Um, and I think, I, I might be wrong on this one, but I think Mark Manson, actually on the Empire Flippers podcast, talked about, I can't remember exactly how he worded it, but it was essentially like talking about how the 10th country that you visit as a traveler doesn't really impact you as much as the second country. Yeah. Right. And so maybe even that was for you where, you know, you travel in the first like month of travel, you're like, holy shit, I'm in the Philippines and this is awesome and all <laughs> yeah. the crazy stuff. But then afterwards, after like two years, like, all right, I, I get the gist here. I, I know yeah. what's going on. Yeah. So what I, like I was going to ask, like, why bartending? Like, why did you, and I know that you talked about how much you enjoyed the you know, making that drink, but why not start another business that is kind of like scratches those those itches for you? Like why go back into sort of like the regular employee workforce as opposed to then starting a local business, for
0: example? Um well, because starting local business is super difficult, and I know nothing about starting local business so mm-hmm. i I think that. If I had gone those routes, it would have been a lot of stress and headaches that I didn't want as opposed to like, oh, this sounds like a fun challenge. Now, granted, um, I don't know if you've heard about this yet. I did get a bar back, not bartending, but bar back job at one of Phoenix's best cocktail lounges. And I actually quit after two shifts. Really? <laughs> did you I did not part? know that. No, I, why? I, I quit after just two shifts. And funny enough, I just got the paycheck the other day for my the hardest <laughs> I've ever made in my life (laughs) 16 (laughs) hours the hardest 16 hours I've ever worked for the hardest $180 I've ever made um well so it turns out that the place I got is a lot busier than I would have ever expected because it's kind of a small place so I'm like oh okay so this should be fairly easy but their Monday night was busier than what I expected the Friday nights to be so everyone's like oh this is so slow it's great I'm like wait this is slow (laughs) This okay, so um oh, and I'm working at three p.m. to three three a.m. on Friday night and Saturday night on my first week. Whew, all right, yeah, I like, okay, I could do this. And then after my second shift, I'm like, no I can't, I can't do this. I I, I don't want to work three p.m. to three a.m. because then I, I I'm gonna miss out on hanging out with my friends. I'm gonna be sleeping during the day, not be able to see my friends at night. That's no, that's that's a non-starter for me. So obviously, I should have known that going in. But when like, you put all these together, and I was actually in the thick of it, I'm like, this isn't what I want. All. like what I want is to be a bartender for like a place that lets me work part time during the day and like have at most like six or eight people I have to worry about, like at most. And believe it or not, there are tons of people like that. Like there's r- restaurants with bars that don't get that busy. There's a spot in downtown Phoenix that I personally love hanging out with. And I never see that place get busy, even on Friday nights, Saturday nights. So unless there's like an event going on. But like they told me there that they have a lot of openings for like flexible part time rolls during the day because it's a very asu centric spot so it's right next to the campus so um i kind of feel like a place like that is where i want to bartend basically what i'm trying to do man is kill my kill my daytimes like get me through the day so i can hang out with my friends at night because i'm bored as hell during the day (laughs) That's all I'm looking for. I'm not looking for a commitment that makes me, you know, work eighty hours a week. I'm not looking to, you know, make a billion dollars, million dollars, whatever. I just wanna kill the daytime and then hang out with my friends at nighttime. So what is the
1: plan going forward, right? Like you, you, you tried at this job that you know, like you were kinda like this is crazy. I saw I did see you post your your uh your schedule on that thread <laughs> and I saw you said three p.m. Nuts. Yeah, I saw you said 3 p.m. to 3 a.m. and I was like, I, I think that must be a typo because that's a twelve 12- no. like,
0: What like, what the fuck? Like that can't be real.
1: So I mean, what- it, it
0: was obvious to literally everyone else but me. They're like, Yeah, dude, you're you want to be a bartender. What time are <laughs> bars open? What time are people drinking at bars? I'm like, yeah. I don't know, man. I guess I didn't think this through very well, but now <laughs> I know. But it worked out really well because like if I started at a, a place like a dive bar, for example. I would have kept on working my butt off to try to get to a place like the place that I ended up starting at because I had this vision of like, Ooh, I'm gonna be a fancy bartender at a cocktail lounge. And I would have worked my way up there then realized, oh, I don't like this at all. Like I realized very quickly that when they were explaining like these really, um, I don't know, uh, mysterious ingredients to me. I could not give a shit. They're (laughs) like, "Oh, here is why this drink has that subtle vanilla flavor. That's a little smoky, you know. It comes from the Himalayas." And like, I am like, dude, I don't care. And I realized that every time a bartender tried to get fancy and was like explaining these ingredients to me, with me being the the patron, I am like, oh man, I didn't retain any of that, and I also don't care. I just wanted mm-hmm. to know if it was sweet or not because I don't like sweet drinks and I'm like listening to the bartenders do that whole routine literally every time someone comes in because every drink that they had in the menu had like five ingredients that no one has ever heard of before mm-hmm. so everybody's like well what's this what's, what's this mean and the guy would go on his 30 second thing oh that sounds cool what about this one I'm like dude I don't I'm going to punch somebody if I do that (laughs) seven times every time someone sits down at the bar. Like, I don't want to be that guy. So I'm like, oh, I see. I thought I wanted to be the fancy cocktail guy, but I just want to pour some beers, pour some wines, make the classics that everybody knows, like an old-fashioned, a Manhattan uh, margarita, and no one's asking what's bourbon. And if someone asks what bourbon is, I'll just give them the dumbest look ever and shit. You know, because I got nothing to lose. I'll I'll risk my job. (laughs) I'd be an it,
1: asshole. Yeah, I think the uh, although I enjoy uh, a fancy cocktail or two, I think that some uh, cocktail places do tend to overlap in their kind of um, mood with the crappy part of the wine world. Right, like when when the. I've heard people who are really amazing. The pretension you mean? Yeah, like there's people who – I met a guy this past summer who I've always hated wine because of that. His name is Rafa. (laughs) He has a cool business out in in Portugal. And I was like, no, I'm not going to this wine tasting. I fucking hate wine tastings. I hate everything about (laughs) wine because I want to punch everyone in the face. And this guy was (laughs) the first person who actually talked to me about wine in a way that I was like, okay, see, this is cool. I like this. And I realized that. You know, it's just the way that like a a part of that business talks about wine that's annoying and terrible. And it sounds like you had that same reaction with like the fancy cocktail world. Mm -hmm. Um, But what about, okay, so what does the future look like now? Do you plan on keeping Growth Ninja alive and kind of like using it to supplement your income? Do you hope to see a world where that's completely done and you can live just off of your bartending kind of like uh, income, where do you see the next year or two years going for you? or like, where would you like to see it go?
0: Yeah, I'll definitely still keep growth Ninja around just because it takes almost no time at all. Um, I think I'm going to try to find a place once all this COVID stuff blows over, you know, knocking wood, um, a place where I could just part-time daytime bartend, you know, mm-hmm. and just take it easy and just relax and just work whenever I want, essentially. Whether it's like two days a week or three days, whatever, um, that's kind of my, that's where my head's at right now. But I have no idea. I'm just kind of winging it. Like I know what I don't want now, which is always good. Like trying to get that, that, get things disqualified from what's on your plate, and then kind of just wing things and see. Okay, where do things fall from here?
1: I gotcha. How do you feel that your experience running a business is going to affect and running Growth Ninja and your experience with Empire Flippers and just the whole remote world? Because uh, you kind of dipped your toes in there and you saw what was going on and you decided to leave. But how do you feel like that's going to impact the rest of your life? Like, do you like, was you going to get a job at, at as a bartender, like kind of like, you had a different mindset going into it because of your experience. Like what, like what was that like? Like, what do you think you're going to take away from
0: that world and that experience? Um, I think it helps that I already generally have a, I don't really care attitude. And Mm -hmm. so I, I try not like, for example, when I interviewed for that place that I worked at, I didn't want to come across as a guy who didn't care too much. Like I had to fight that a little bit by saying, look, you and I both know because you're reading my resume right now that I'm not doing this for some of the same reasons that some of the people that work for you are doing it. Like I quite frankly am not relying on the paycheck. But here's why I want the job. I'm super passionate about getting to the industry. I've been thinking about it for years. I've been reading these books that you will surely recognize. You may even know the authors. I've been practicing at home. I've been studying. I've been some podcasts. Like I want to show that I so so badly want this. And no other candidate's going to come in here with this sort of mindset. Everyone's like, "Well, why do I want to work here?" Well, because I got to pay the bills. It's like, "Well, I'm here because I want to be here." And I think that's a big difference. I'm trying to like counteract that side of me that doesn't really care that much by showing how much I do care about this specific thing. I don't care about the paycheck, but I do care about the whole industry side of it and breaking into the industry. So that came across really well. And actually, my manager on my first day mentioned specifically that the two owners um, who I interviewed with mentioned all of that. They said they were really impressed with where your head's at. They know that, okay, you don't know anything about the scene yet, but we could work with that because we could train anybody to be a bartender. You can't train any bartender to have the right mindset, the right personality. And so I'm... I'm trying to make it very clear that I take it seriously and I'm not just like, oh yeah, you know, I've just been curious and I wanted to check it out, whatever. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I'm like, no, well, I really want this to work. It may not. Evidently in my case, it did not. (laughs) But you know, I, at the time, you know, my head was, was there. And so at the next place, I think um, I'll just be truthful in that way and be like, well, you know, I worked at this place for, couple shifts and i realized that the night schedule wasn't for me i would love to just be the guy who pours beer have some great conversations make people's makes people make people's day as opposed to make people's nights and just you know shoot the shit with some people
1: yeah how did uh how did people react to your resume like did you um how much did you share on that resume like like i'm I'm just kind of curious because i'm trying to imagine a you know like a bar manager seeing what you've been able to do on a resume kind of like why are you getting this job like did you kind of have any of those conversations with managers
0: yeah it was it was kind of like i was like wait why do you want to work here and i just went through <laughs> that whole thing that i that i just went through it was like you know i wanted to do it for years and stuff and i think they really appreciated the honesty i wasn't trying to like dick them around or anything i was just like yeah here's Here's exactly why. Um, I I think that they were very quick to move on from that. They're like, oh, okay, cool. Well, are you good at multitasking? And like, it, it mm-hmm. wasn't even, they weren't asking me questions related to bartending. They were asking questions about like, how did I handle stress and anxiety? Was I a good multitasker? Can I move quickly? Can I learn quickly? Um, and stuff like that. So they were, I could tell from the way they were asking those questions that they're just looking for someone that they could really teach. And that was kind of like Empire Flippers too. I had no experience in digital marketing when I worked for them outside of what I was doing for my blog. But I made it clear that I'm super eager to learn. I'm super interested in trying to figure it out. And I know that since I know nothing, then just feed me all the information and I'll see what I can retain and, and spit back out.
1: Yeah, in a really interesting way, you've been able to create like what the four-hour workweek by you know by Tim Ferriss, kind of like the Bible of this whole movement, talks about the entire time, which is to create a muse. Like you created a business that allows you to not work a lot of hours and allows you to spend a book of your hours to pursue the thing that you really want to do which in your case is you know kind of like dipping your toes in the bartending world and seeing what you like and it, it's really cool that in in a, in a crazy way you've been able to kind of achieve exactly that is a business that allows you to not have to go take jobs that you don't want to mm-hmm. uh, but you can now be picky and kind of enjoy your day and and, and find something that you really like doing um you know, during the day. So that's awesome. And uh, congratulations to that. And I'm, and I'm super excited to kind of follow your journey and, and, and see where you go from here, man. So um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Like I said, I don't have a lot of people that have had your experience and who have kind of like turned in, you know, have gone a different route. So I really appreciate you telling the other side of the story. Um, anything that you want to mention before we kind of sign off Do like anywhere that you want to send people follow you on Instagram or anything like that?
0: Uh, no, not really. To be honest. I mean, if you want, you can check out growth ninja.com. Um, I don't really use Twitter. I don't have Instagram, so there's nowhere to really follow me to be honest. Um, yeah, <laughs> I just want to say thanks for having me on here and letting me share this side of the story because it's always fun to talk about.
1: Yeah, of course. And uh, what bar are you going to be working at now so that maybe people can swing by and visit and buy a beer from you and give you a, a nice <laughs> tip while you're working there?
0: uh, who knows, man by the time this covid's over, who knows if the spot I have my eyes on is gonna even be open anymore to be honest I don't want to add on to the dark note but that's kind of <laughs> I feel honest, you me, man yeah well cool man thank you so much for coming by again I really
1: appreciate it and uh all the best and stay safe and and stay healthy
0: thanks man you too.